good evening everybody and thank you for joining today on tuesday evening today i have a very special guest mr rajesh kothari with me i know mr rajesh uh, for like 3 or 4 years and uh, he has set up elf accurate advisors uh, in 2009 and i think he is one of the pioneers in this advisory industry so it has been more than 12 years now and there are only very few people who have got tremendous experience in this uh, you know kind of obviously started with pms and then has moved to uh, having an ria license as well and creating portfolios uh, for for uh, uh, retail as well as hni investors to invest in so uh, i let mr rajesh uh, take over the you know kind of proceedings and and directly hear from him so welcome sir welcome uh, to uh, this episode of my wealth basket journey to my wealth journey uh, with me uh, very very grateful to have you on have you today interacting with you just wanted to know something about you you know as to how did you start your journey how uh, i i guess from 1990s you have been into the into some kind of you know financial market industry first um, with with different firms and then obviously you started your own elf accurate in 2009 so i would like to hear more from you as to how your journey has been and how did you end up you know kind of creating elf accurate advisors in 2009 Well, thank you. First of all, by Bob for uh, you know having me on your show. This is a you know uh, wealth basket. I'm I'm sure it is basically democratizing the uh, the options what investors are having uh, from small ticket to large HNI. So uh, thanks, uh, thanks a ton for uh, this interaction. And uh, coming to your question, you know this Alpha Equity Advisors. I started in uh, 2009. So you know I started my equity journey as a professional uh, almost from 1995. and so it has been probably more than 27 years uh, two and a half decades into the equity market and uh, throughout this 27 years it has been very uh, uh, i would say a journey where I, of course i learned a lot uh, it is very exciting journey it is a journey full of experiences uh, full of hits and of course uh, misses as well so it has been quite uh, uh, what i would say uh, you know a journey approach and uh, actually that was a blessing in disguise because that actually makes uh, makes you better fund manager for tomorrow and uh, then after 6 7 years uh, you know during my sales side uh, i interacted with probably almost any every cio uh, in india and of course few cios uh, globally as well and the interesting thing is that for every company whichever you are recommending as a sales side research analyst to your clients every cio has a different perspective so for same company one fund manager might have buy another fund manager may not like that company so it is not about who is right or who is wrong but it is about the looking the things from a different perspective and the journey is very very you know i learned a lot in that journey because when you interact on a almost everyday basis with the multiple fund managers uh, it gives you completely different insights into how you should look at the business models how should you look at the valuations and most importantly how should you look at the risk reward matrix so it is a very fulfilling journey and then in 2002 uh, 
uh, you know, I came on buy side. I joined uh, DSP uh, BlackRock Mutual Fund, uh, now which is known as DSP Mutual Fund. And I was funded there for almost four and a half uh, years. I served DSP uh, Middle Inch. Um, and there are a number of funds which was under management, DSP equity fund, balance fund, top hundred fund, technology.com fund. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy to say that, you know, uh, all my funds have received number of uh, awards and recognition from the, uh, you know, best of the agencies, uh, Platinum Fund Manager Award, CNBC, Chrisil, and so on and so forth. Right. Importantly, uh, while returns are important, I always believed that what kind of risk you are taking to generate those returns, which is more important. And in India, Chrisil gives CPR ranking, which is a risk adjusted returns matrix. And all our funds were almost CPR one for uh, probably 18 consecutive quarters. And then from there, I decided to move on because I said in India, everybody knows what to buy. Everybody's kind of a fund manager. And uh, let me learn uh, when to get out from the market, when to sell the stocks. So I joined a hedge fund. Uh, it was a long short fund. And again, uh, we have witnessed the best of the emerging market here. And then the lemon collapse here. And again, throughout the journey, uh, probably it was one of the best of the performance in Asia. And then in 2009, uh, I started on my own. So that is birth of Alpha Curate Advisors, AAA, as we call it in a short form. And uh, since then, of course, we have grown significantly. Uh, we have a number of family offices, uh, HNI clients, CEOs, CFOs, promoters. They are our clients, many large distributors, you know, they distribute our products. And uh, of course, we have grown steadily. Very importantly, we have delivered 20% compounded annualized returns to our investors in last 12 plus years. And it is almost like if you've invested one crore, today it would have become about 8.67 crores to be precise and outperforming the most of the benchmarks. We have governed, got the award as a top three PMS in the country for second consecutive year in a row uh, for 2020 as well as for 2021. So that's what journey is all about. You know, uh, I can go on and on, but uh, to keep it very uh, brief, uh, you know, from the timing perspective. Uh, so it has been fulfilling journey. Uh, it, it has been a very exciting journey. So, so, sir, let me take it from here because, you know, I have got a lot of questions on whatever you, you know, kind of explain your journey uh, briefly, briefly to me. Now you started your career in 1995 and that is where, you know, kind of, I have a privilege of asking you that and telling you that you, you know, kind of, you have seen at least three, uh, you can say corrections, major corrections in the market. Let's say 2000, obviously the tech bubble burst 2001, 2002, then obviously you have been in the midst of uh, 2008 Lehman crisis, as you mentioned as well, then 2020 March, everybody, most of us, you know, kind of, we, we have seen what happened last year, like uh, almost 21 months back in the middle of it. in I think in the year 2012, 13, we saw taper tantrum where it was a you know kind of a very dull sideways correction for for almost two years when people had just lost hopes from equities i personally had entered equity markets in 2009 and have seen the journey in the last 12 years but just wanted to hear from your experience as to how you know kind of what you were with so you have already told about your journey as how you started in 1995 but can you just uh, highlight all these periods briefly as to how what the lessons you learned with all these corrections, obviously 2002 probably would be your first major one. Um, and then gradually the other, other corrections as well. No, I think probably the bigger correction was also, of course, in the current time frame, it may not look so big, but during that time, it was a topic of the town, the emerging market crisis, uh, EM yeah. currency crisis in 1996, uh, 97, 96. correct? Yeah. Um, then you have a dot 
football and uh, then as you rightly say lemon collapse and then the uh, you know taper tantrum and then the covid crisis correct a lot of similarities and there are a lot of uh, dissimilarities the similarities are primarily comes from the macro correct so if you look at emerging market crisis it was a macro factor right. if you look at the 99 technology dot com bubble again it was a macro you know macro factor if you look at 2008 what has happened again it was a lemon collapse it was a macro factor 2012 13 taper tantrum macro factor and 2020 covid again it is a global factor correct. so what i'm trying to say many of these factors are more global in nature and therefore at times it is important to keep an eye on what is happening globally while we always say as a fund managers that we need to be stock selective and bottom up approach and of course the, the, you know there always is a more weightage but that doesn't mean that you can keep your eye away from what is happening to the global world because world is becoming one exactly and every crisis gives you uh, many learnings uh, and you need to keep on understanding that what market is trying to factor you and basically it helps you to draw a scenario which is called what if scenario correct so for example let me put it current in the current environment where everybody is bullish on it service sector right everybody owns best of the it companies in their portfolio the valuations of course are very high and the earnings worth expectations are also very high correct so the question is what if india's largest software company instead of reporting 3% 4% 5% quant qoq growth for one quarter if they report only 1% qoq growth the stock will go down by probably 25% yes that's kind of a sensitivity i'm talking about so if you look at the 2000 which was a dot com bubble it was something very similar where there are number of companies came out with a dot com probably 90% of that or maybe 95% of those companies they do not exist anymore correct and those were the best of the companies you know believe me you know because i have visited many of those companies in hyderabad during that time i spent probably a few days staying overnight there met every person in those companies entire team due diligence everything was done but today the company do not exist correct so therefore what is important is not only about how great the promoters are the very important is the resilience of the business model that's very important generally speaking no promoter generally wants to create a bad business model am i right i mean the, the internally every promoter of course wants to grow you know forget that 2 3 4 5% of the promoter who might have the wrong uh, probably uh, lack of integrity or you know wrong intention but otherwise by and large as a human beings you why everybody wants to grow in a better way but somewhere something goes wrong and that's execution strategy at times it is at times risk management which basically go haywire 90% of the time that's biggest issue at times it is the capital allocation which goes haywire and many more such things so there's like 1999 so you need to be clear that when the business models are evolving you cannot extrapolate the numbers that yeah. number may come it may not come correct so you need to be very very clear that what you are buying into and how resilient what if during that take bubble if 100 pe becomes 30 pe it is enough for investor to lose 70% of his capital exactly correct and then after dot com crisis we have seen the 2008 lemon collapse crisis 
and I distinctly remember during those times, there were many companies in India where the parent company was listed, and then there were subsidiaries which were getting funding from the global investors. And that was famously called as SOTP, sum of parts valuation. And I remember the one of the largest company in India into power sector had a subsidiary and that subsidiary valuation was higher than the parent company. You know what I'm saying? The subsidiary company's valuation was higher than the parent company. And in IPO market, there was a premium kind of thing and people were standing in queue to fill up the IPO to get the allocation at the peak valuation three times higher than the what was the listing price, what was the IPO price was. So I, think, I think I got what which company you're referring to, but yeah. So. Correct. So, so again, what, what again is important, what if? So there are PPA agreements signed between power companies and ACVs and ABC and so on and so forth. But those PPA agreements were based on certain assumptions. Exactly. And nobody had a fine print of such assumptions. And people thought everything will go as per assumptions, but only thing life in constant is only constant is change, correct? And therefore it never works out to be like that. So that is the second lesson that don't take things for granted. Don't assume that agreement, what companies are talking about, there is nothing called sacrosanct. It keep changing depending upon the dynamic business model. Right. That is an important learning. In taper tantrum time, it is a more of a macro monetary policy which is a kind of a short-term period where probably the regulators globally, they were a little bit ahead of curve in terms of tightening and resulted into liquidity going away. It is a more of a liquidity-driven event. And 2020 was a pandemic year. It was a year which nobody has seen. You, me, probably nobody has seen such kind of event because we all are below 70 years, right? So last time it would have been swine flu was like, you know, 1928. Yeah, around yeah. So, nobody has seen such time. But one thing is common, which I was trying to tell you that similarity as a fund manager, what you need to do is only one thing. Keep an eye on margin of safety. Yeah. Keep running what-if scenarios. And very importantly, the active portfolio management. So, while it is a very, what I would say, nowadays it is a fashion to talk about buy and hold. Hmm. No, there is nothing called buy and hold. Every business has its cycle. You can buy and hold till the time you believe the company is a right business cycle. If the business cycle changes, you have to change. Because if you don't, then either there is a time correction or there is a price correction and both are injurious to investors' returns. So to give an example, the largest FMCG company in India which is listed from 1999 to 2004, the compounded annualized returns were 0%. Correct. And about a five years holding period, which is a good long term, the compounded annualized returns were 0%. India's largest cement company, if you would have bought in 1989, and if you're holding till 1999, I'm talking about a 10 years period, the compounded annualized returns were 0%. India's one of the largest IT company, pioneer in IT, even today, among the top five companies in India, if you would have bought in 1999, and if you hold for 20 years, which is called 2019, the compounded annualized returns were less than Indira Vikas Patra, the fixed deposit in India. It, it grew only by 7%. At that time, in India were 15%. Correct? Every business goes through the business cycle. There is nothing for buy and hold. 
And of course, that doesn't mean that you just sell just because stock price went up. But you need to have a consistently monitoring of the business cycle. And if you think that this company is not going to grow well, then you need to get out from that board. And that's the beautiful, uh, what I would say, freedom, what public equity market gives you as an investor. It is your fundamental right to exercise you know, that option. So those are the learnings and uh, every day is a learning. So even today, you know, I'm a student, so we keep learning. Always, always. Sir. So, so rather than buy and hold, it has to be buy, hold and exit timely to, you know, kind of be in the markets. That brings me to one point, sir, which I would want your clarity on, which you mentioned about the business cycles of different companies. Uh, I would also say that it is generally a business cycle of the complete sector. And within that sector, obviously, the, the prominent companies come up. Now, what you are saying, obviously, is the cement company or the FMCG company or the IT company, entire sector would be going through a probably a downturn there would be maybe one or two companies from that sector which might be some you know kind of outstanding so you have to prop you know kind of always do that kind of a analysis which sector are doing well at what period of time whatever we have seen in the last almost two years now we'll complete two years in march now that all these sectors are by taking their turns of one month two months and you know kind of uh, rotating like Initially, it was healthcare sector, which was outperforming, then came IT, then came basic materials. And then we also saw uh, COVID, I think the unlock theme, which was opening up. Now, I just want to understand how do you analyze which sector is going to be performing now and you get overweight on those particular two, three, four sectors and underweight on the sectors which are undergoing a uh, downturn in that particular period, whatever. So you can take example of even this current period. Uh, and and I would obviously you know kind of connect this with your new uh, with your next generation portfolio of alpha accurate, alpha accurate as well as to how you identify the themes which are going to outperform in the next one two three or four years. Okay, so let me make it very easy. Let me give you an uh, you know let me share one example with you. So in the February twenty twenty, I'm talking about a pre COVID February twenty twenty was absolutely right. normal month. And, and COVID started entering Europe market. If you remember that time, the Europe started announcing the lockdowns. Correct. At that time, we were really a little bit worried that, you know, what is going on? Because it is like unknown, unknown. Nobody knew what is going to happen. Yeah. So in the early March, we raised cash levels. Right? Because we were very clear that if suppose something goes wrong, then everything, the growth itself will become degrowth. Right. Everybody is expecting 25% growth. But instead of 20%, 25% growth, it may become minus 20% growth, depending upon, and market was pricing in 25% growth. Please understand, the valuations are factoring in 25% growth. Right. So we raised cash and we redeployed that money into the healthcare sector. Okay. The healthcare sector actually was our focus sector from October 2019, pre-COVID, because by that time, if you remember, the pharma sector went through a very big correction phase right. of 2019. The valuation started becoming more favorable. The earnings growth, which was a problem in three years because of the US FD issue, the compliance issue, the legal cost issue, Indian companies were trying to cop up with the a number of regulators, US and India both, all those issues related to very high inflated cost. Yeah. That cost base was started now tapering down because they already invested into it. And at the same time, there are a number of one-time opportunities as well as the long-term opportunities. I'm talking about molecules, which goes for the opportunity from US FDA perspective that started coming up. Three things together. I repeat, 
Number one, the valuations we did in your favor. The risk reward was in your favor. Number two, the earnings growth was looking more promising compared to three years back because of the cost is going to be lower. And number three, because of the number of approvals, product approvals, the revenue growth also is going to be higher. Higher revenue growth, higher, much better operating profit growth, and better valuation. And then the pandemic. It is obvious for us to increase weightage to healthcare sector. And we made almost from, from 3% to 15%, we increase our weightage to healthcare sector. Okay. After the pandemic was a surprise anyway, so that worked in your favor. Yeah, yeah. So let me come to it. So after that, what happened? After that, of course, the lockdown got announced, the market went down. That's fine. It's bound to happen. And most cyclical stocks went down 30, 40, 50%. Right. Naturally, because first quarter was became zero, and therefore 30% or 40% or 50% of profit went away. Correct? So everything went down. By October, people now understood what is COVID is all about. Correct? The fear of COVID started reducing, and unlockdown started happening globally and in India as well. The farmer stocks, which we generally believe will do 15% compounded for four years. It means 60% on absolute terms. They went up by 65% in four months. Right. People started extrapolating their EPS for three years. We made our money of four years in four months. And the cyclicals, we were now getting at a deeper discount because people again started extrapolating the bad numbers for next three years. But the Indian economy started opening up, and it is a temporary new one. So we reduced our healthcare weightage again from 15% to 3%. And we bought again the cyclicals by another from which we reduced from 77 to 62, which we again made it to 75, 77%. So this is the one example I just thought to you know share with you. As you rightly mentioned in the last two years, particularly post-COVID, there are a number of rotations started happening, and which are called the mini cycles. Within right. cycles, there are mini cycles. But you need to be very clear that your eye should be on earnings growth. For example, same healthcare sector has reported zero earnings growth or flattish earnings growth or less than 15% earnings growth. Everything is relative in life mm -hmm. in last three quarters. Right. So they cannot perform. Now, if you think they will report 20% earnings growth for next two years, again, you can relook at your valuation and margin of safety and you can add, provided the growth is going to be higher than the other sectors which are offering to you. So that's how you need to play even the mini cycles because the world is becoming fast. The cycles are becoming shorter. The business cycle, which was earlier seven years, is now reducing to two and a half, three years. Oh, you absolutely very, very proactive. Otherwise, there is a danger of zero returns for a considerable amount of time. Definitely. So that is what I wanted to hear your thoughts, because as you rightly said, the cycles are becoming smaller and smaller. And uh, that, that is where I want to now focus on the specific theme, which you have opened your portfolio, which is your, you know, kind of next generation portfolios, which I think is full of the technology sector. Now, everybody on the street today is uh, bullish on the technology sector in the long term. I mean, we all know that whatever has happened in the last two years, we have just, you know, expedited the technology um, acceptance in the within the companies. And 
and we know the way we are moving the entire world is moving we are moving more towards technology and that is why this theme works very well in the large uh, you know kind of a longer time frame i could say 7 8 years 10 years uh, but to traverse that short term period also so uh, how have you placed your portfolio and you know kind of i would always i always say to the to the investors who are looking to get into some kind of a uh, which sector to take exposure on i always say that for a longer term period technology is your answer but how are you solving that you know query of people and uh, there's a problem of people as to which sector to invest in through your next generation fund can you throw us a little bit of light about how you are picking stock in this uh, this uh, fund you know maybe if you uh, read bill gates you know he said that we always overestimated the change that will occur in next two years right and you always underestimate the change in that will occur in the next 10 years right. first of all i would not use the term technology okay. that with the wrong word because moment you use technology for a layman he thinks it is india's top five it company yeah but technology for me is not that for me the right word might be digitalization automation innovation is like a next gen that's why the name of our portfolio on wealth basket is a triple a next gen right. portfolio what is the next gen is all about if you look at the digital economy it is roughly about 8% to our gdp maybe about 3 years back and that is going to increase to 20 to 25% of gdp over next 3 years i am not talking about 30 years i am talking about next 3 years from 8% to 20% it means i am talking about three times increase in just 3 to 4 to 5 years correct if you look at us and if you look at the dow jones index or s&p 500 index the digital stocks were less than 1% 10 years back and today it contributes almost 27% of the indices right if you look at nifty the 15% of nifty companies their market cap less than 1 lakh crores right today there are three or four companies already listed in the digital space where market cap exceeds 1 lakh crores right. what i'm trying to so macro and micro let me combine macro and micro to give you the complete picture so digital means therefore not only technology but digital means digital retail digital lending digital fintech digital wealth advisory which you guys are doing digital healthcare digital e-commerce digital logistics and many more such things and last but not least which is most probably i would say least talked about is the digital industry the industrial revolution which is happening the transformation 4.0 it is all about digital and those are the businesses what we are going to own here so right. about 10 to 15 companies in the portfolio now i am connecting macro to micro make sure that the company which you buy has a technology as a mode it is a production technology as a mode is a r&d as a mode and then very critical let's assume if i am buying a industrial automation company i'll be buying a company which is the largest company in india which is number one into robotics globally and the subsidiary is listed in india so you have a ready advantage of global parented technology available to you on platform one of the largest company in india and let me name you please put a disclaimer we might be holding for our clients 
for PMSO advisory. Say for example, ABB. Right. So, India has implemented the longest conveyor belt for a company called JSW Steel in Karnataka. I think last month, if I'm not wrong, is the longest conveyor belt in the world. By doing that, they have not only provided digital solution, but they have provided green solution because it saved 3,000 truck trips from mine to the plant. That's called innovation. That's real power of technology. So real power of technology just doesn't mean an e-commerce company. Real power of technology doesn't mean just a platform company. It also it goes much beyond that. It actually talks about how you can improve the efficiency by using the technology as a mode, R&D as a mode, you know, just not a software service company. It is much beyond that, correct? If you look at the credit card, for example, penetration in India is less than 4%. Yeah. You compare anywhere in the world, it starts from 25% to 250%. If you talk about the digital payments in India, it is growing by 35% compounded in last four years. Correct? If you talk about digital e-commerce, it will become from $25 billion to $110 billion, four times in four years. In nutshell, by the businesses, where you are going to see the exponential growth, right? higher than the underlying benchmark Nifty, BSE 500, which typically grow by 12-15%, the companies which we plan to buy, they are going to have an exponential growth opportunity, correct? Secular trends, which are your tailwinds, which is a macro, and on micro, R&D, the technology, the product innovation, that's the mode. Combine this results into the exponential earnings growth. For that, of course, you need to pay a little bit higher valuation, but margin of safety is in your favor because growth is going to have a much longevity of growth is uh, much longer compared to the traditional business model. And that's kind of offering, uh, you know, what here we are providing uh, to the, uh, you know, uh, to platform like, you know, Weldesk to right. follow in. Right. So, so this is what a question all I get mostly from people is that all these companies which you have been talking about, people understand that, you know, kind of these are the sectors to play with, but these are already highly overvalued, which will probably look on the PE kind of a ratio. Uh, and there is no better time to get into these companies right uh, other than now, because if your holding period is, let's say, five years or 10 years, because eventually it will uh, even out, right? Do you think it's a great time for someone uh, to enter the, these sectors now at such a high valuation? Or do you anticipate some kind of, you know, correction that these companies might be available at a better valuation? Um, so if an investor would want to invest into an self-accurate uh, next-gen portfolio, is right now a good time or someone should be, you know, kind of waiting, staggering? So what's your approach going to be for uh, investment in this portfolio? Well, I think every client has his own risk-reward profile. I mean, correct? Uh, how much, uh, what is your willingness to absorb the volatility? Markets will remain volatility. Equity markets are never a linear line. Corrections are part of market. You might be drawdown of 20%, 30%, 40%, who knows? The question is, do you have a patience for five years? Correct? And if you have patience for five years, these companies are actually cheap. I know you may not probably agree with me. They are not expensive. They are cheap because, number one, they are replacing the traditional businesses. Right. Number two, their business models are so, they are number one in their sectors. And I'm sure you would agree that big is becoming bigger. Correct? They are number one in their sector. So they have a disproportionate benefit of market share gain. 
number two. Number three, they will require the capital so that if they want to grow faster, whether to put up capital expenditure or whether to acquire some technology or whether to do joint venture, they were required capital in their balance sheet. That's number two. And number four, I, as I said, the earnings growth is going to be much faster and stronger compared to the traditional company. Now, let me give you one example. Today, at what valuation FMCG companies in India trade? Might be 50 to 80 range. Yeah. For yeah. 50 to 80 P. Do you know what earnings growth for that 50 to 80 P? 10 Best of the companies in India in last 10 years have reported compounded earnings growth of only 13%. 1-3, not 29, 1-3. And you are paying 50, 60, 70, 80 P. I'm not debating what is right, what is wrong. What I'm trying to say that if you buy the portfolio, the franchises, which can grow at 18, 20, 30% compounded growth, of course, you will not be able to buy it at a throw away valuation. Right. One can technically argue that if I had bought in March 2020, Every the price would be But let me tell you, the valuation even on that day was not low because your earnings was also down. Mm, of course. Correct or not? So, basically, if you want to, you know, have a tea in Taj Mahal, in Hotel Taj, you cannot have... Correct. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, you have to shell out more in order to get the best of the products anyway. So no, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great thing. So the, the idea is obviously the, the bottom line is the patience because as I said, on five-year basis, it looks cheap to me. Uh, the only point is, and this is what a lot of retail uh, players have in mind. Let's wait for today. And this is what is happening in the last one, one and a half years. Sir. At every level, people are saying, no, let's wait for another correction. At 12,000, they were waiting for 11,000. 13,000, they were waiting for 12,000 and still at 18,600 market had reached and now, you know, kind of coming down to 17,000 and all. So I think people have missed the bus and those who have missed the bus are understanding that, you know, some kind of companies are there uh, in the in the digitalization space, not the tech space, as, as you rightly mentioned, that uh, one should be building a portfolio around this. And uh, just just for the for the viewers, uh, uh, Rajesh says Alpha Accurate advises next gen portfolio minimum ticket size being five lakh. Uh, you can you know kind of uh, put it in uh, in one go and uh, log in through your uh, preferred brokers which are on the Wealth Desk website and can access this portfolio. And I would suggest personally as well as Rajesh sir obviously would would agree that have a horizon of at least four to five years. And uh, once you have that, uh, I think it's it's a great chance that you can on uh, a superlative uh, returns obviously with the disclaimer that nothing is guaranteed but then there are obviously the chances are uh, uh, better if you uh, to to outperform the outperform the index and definitely uh, one sector which i am also currently bullish from a five year perspective is the digitalization of the technology as i was mentioning that space because this is the future and um, rightly said by you sir digital wealth is what we are also focusing on and this is the reason you know kind of uh, the, the entire and digital industry is one of the one of the great things you mentioned but because all the industrialization also is moving toward in, towards industrialization 4.0 so that's one of the themes which uh, probably you know is playing out well uh having said that uh do you so so one of my last questions before you know kind of going to take questions from the audience because i can see two or three questions have come in uh what is your maybe if you can just want to share a short term or a medium term outlook on the indian economy given we are expecting a budget in the next 
just a little more than one month and then obviously there are there are uh, up elections which are one of the major elections do you see some kind of a volatility to continue in the short term period or what's your view on that well i think indian economy is going to be in a very very strong wicket uh, probably it will be the fastest growing economy in the world right. uh, you can you can already see the kind of a uh, and currency shows you that you know what is the strength of currency you know uh, earlier you were asking me 2012 13 and yeah. people are Worried that what if the Fed hikes the interest rate? And of course, those are the real concerns. You know, the sticky inflation, high interest rate regime compared to where we stand today. But if you look at 2012-13 versus currently, the Indian economy is in much more stronger wicket from current account deficit perspective, from reforms perspective, from the you know the government number of initiatives perspective. And fortunately or unfortunately, the COVID-19 has become a boon for India, right? Because Indian economy moved to digital world at a very fast rate. It's today the fast-growing economy in the world from digital perspective. Today, the UPI is considered as a case study, and Aadhaar is a case study for the world. The developed countries are looking at India for such case studies, correct? And on the other hand, because of COVID, the China, you know, global companies are looking at beyond China. Correct. And the good part is that India today can afford the incentives. And therefore, the PLI scheme. PLIs, exactly. Now you connect the dots, correct? One is the faster digital economy. Second is China plus one from global manufacturers' perspective. Third is Indian government's efforts to make India more self-reliant through PLI scheme to make it globally competitive. And on this macro framework, you please put only one micro factor: the big is becoming bigger. Yes. And therefore, you don't need to bet and discuss too much about economy. Finally, let's money, correct? So I don't want to be an economist. We can talk arts and arts about our outlook on economy. There is no point of that. Important is because if I keep looking at market, Nifty and economy, I would not have spotted a company called you know Dixon, which has become five times in my portfolio, or a company called JB Chemical, which has become five times in my portfolio, or a company called TCI Express, which has become four times in my portfolio in the last four years. So beyond a point, let's get out from this. You know, what's your Nifty? It's okay. Nifty by and large is going to do well. You will keep getting the returns higher than the any other asset class, provided you have five years view. Volatility would be there. You need to have a stomach to absorb that volatility. No doubt about it. In short term, there might be challenges. Two two zero two zero and two zero twenty one were the great years for Indian investors. From here on, the returns can be a little bit moderate, rightly so, because we already seen the bumper years. But yeah. that net. Market will keep delivering you nine, ten, twelve percent compounded returns over five-year period. But there are so many opportunities under that line where the earnings growth can be much faster. The balance sheets are leaner. The capital efficiency is working in your favor, Correct. and that's the biggest. Even from the macro perspective, while people talk about inflation, if you listen to the global economist, one of the global economists yesterday, he is talking about a deflation because of the productivity gain. Because of technology, which is happening in the at the world level, and that results into more and more efficiency, correct? And that contributes to the deflation in the economy. So, right. of course, after one year, we may not be talking about inflation. We might be talking about something different, you know. Um, uh, so that's how you know I would say one should look at uh, you know year and beyond. Focus on micro. Do not focus on macro. Focus on bottom up from this year onwards. In my view, for next two three years. that will be more rewarding rather than doing the top down analysis 
perfect perfect and as we say the characteristics of equity markets is volatility if you are you know if you sustain that volatility you have a lot of money to be to be made in the longer term so with that sir thank you so much uh, there are three or four questions as of now and uh, i would request other participants to keep typing in your questions raise the hands you can speak out the question as well directly interact with rajesh sir uh, but let me sir take the questions one by one uh, so first is uh, tushar mehta is asking when markets are correcting then did you sold partly or fully your profit making stocks and bought them at lower range or you use the funds on investing in quality stocks which has also fallen in correction also did you invest in parts during correction or if you believed in stocks then you invested fully on them i think it is a very very active strategy from our perspective so uh, first of all thanks to shah for your question uh, you know as a active for portfolio management we know we keep doing the things depending upon at that point of time what we feel is a prudent decision so let me give you one example so banking is corrected by 25% it makes sense to add banking in the portfolio because we are positive on that space specialty chemical we are positive on that space so we have added specialty chemical to our portfolio correct so it, it, it there is no one line answer it is a mixture wherever we think the prices are attractive the valuations are attractive the earnings growth is intact we add and whenever we think that earnings growth is going to get impacted due to internal or external factor don't shy away from it exit from the portfolio it is not about even if the stock is down 5% that's fine what you need to look at is that from here on how much money you can make so it is a very very active portfolio management it is a combination of art and science uh you know that's what bring the uh, you know the prudent uh, way of managing money so i think this answers his second question also which you which he is asking in stocks which you believe and if they fall down then you do you average them then your answer obviously you have answered it that yes if you still believe in the story you you average down on them right absolutely uh, yeah so next one is experts always say that do not go with the momentum in sector where all are going example tech bubble earlier as of now all are talking about digitalization should we go ahead on it on it or have a diverse view on it interesting very interesting question the fact of the matter is that don't go by what people are saying and don't go by what you read every day go by what companies are doing are you doing it as an individual i am doing it today through zoom this is not a physical meeting with vibhav i am talking with zoom we are actually doing it correct so it is not about just a talk it is about the actual implementation people are ordering food through application correct people are doing the education of their kids through zoom fact of the life people are doing doing booking of hotel through booking.com yeah you are booking your flight ticket through mykmai trip or any other such portal so whether we like it or not digitalization is accelerating and something very important i want to highlight you is that you don't need to go to anywhere else to say whether it is you know happening or not go to rbi website and you look at the payment upi payment transactions the classic number correct you will see what is happening so there is no there is there are no doubts that digitalization is accelerating now that doesn't mean then you participate in every company which is playing this digitalization right you should not and that's the biggest mistake what investors are making macro you are right digitalization is accelerating play the theme but micro becomes very important True. please remember when it comes to digitalization it is a winner takes it all approach so for example banking there might be 
95 banks in India today, public, private, NBFC, all put together. But when it comes to food delivery, there are only two companies. Correct. That's the difference. So if there is a fourth company comes up, and if you buy that fourth company, the chances that you will make money in the long term probability is very low. So it is a winner takes it all approach. Number one. Number two, the skin in the game, founder stake, very important. Number three, the capital allocation discipline, very very important. And last but not least, whether the business model is already evolved or it is still in right. evolving. I'm talking about here, not only, uh, you know, only, only about the real digital, which people are today talking about, like platform companies, you know, for that I'm talking about. But digital also means industrial automation. For example, I gave a company called ABB, which you hold in your portfolio, you know, please put a disclaimer, mm. or Honeywell, or 3M. 3M spends 5% of its revenue on R&D. And it is increasingly becoming digital. Correct. These companies, there are probably there are no competitors to these companies. Correct. So we need to focus then on micro. Don't get you are absolutely right. Don't get carried away by momentum. That's what is happening in US. Every spike is up 150 percent, and then next day they go down 40, 50 percent. That's not the right way to invest. Am I right? You need to invest into the businesses which have a resilient franchises. Please undermark this word resilient. Resilient to the inflation. Resilient to the currency volatility, resilient to the commodity volatility, and resilient to the trade warriors, various volatility. And that's what makes the earnings growth much more solid, sustainable, and long. I hope I answered your question. I think I'll also add one, one point over here, Rajeshwar, is that uh, the investors or the, the people should understand themselves more. Are they long-term investors? Are they investing for a long-term thing? Or they are like short-term traders because the approaches for all the methods are different and everybody can be successful if they are, you know, kind of mastering their, their things. If you are picking up long-term investing philosophy, then obviously what Rajeshwar has been saying works. But if you are a very short-term trader, then obviously other, you know, kind of aspects will work and you have to play those mini cycles faster. So one thing the investor needs to understand is that what are you and what works for you best and that is where uh, you also mentioned um, Rajeshwar is that the risk return portfolio of yours is important to understand uh, there's no one answer for that but obviously from the long term point of view what you answered works perfectly well that brings me to the next question is since um, uh, predicting business cycles is difficult how do you prepare your portfolio for the critical points how do you manage the asset liquidity issues and also do you see algorithm based trading becoming a necessity for keeping up with the swings. So I think two or three questions uh, over here. Um, I think you can also see the question on your screen. So if you want to take one by one, uh, please do. So let me answer in a reverse order. Uh, algo trading, we don't do algo trading. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, easy, easy question. Uh, your second question was basically how we identify the spot, you know, because world is changing so dynamic and recyclical. So that's where the experience comes into play. So. Yeah. I'm into market since 27 years and our investment team has a combined experience of, you know, probably 82 years. Uh, that's why there are no shortcuts to experience, unfortunately, correct? Um, and through the experience, there are a number of indicators, uh, leading indicators, lagging indicators, and the very important, the linkages within the cycles, linkage right. within the sectors. So, for example, if the consumer durable companies are doing very well, definitely consumer durable financing company will also do extremely well. Correct. 
and if the consumer durable financing company is doing extremely well definitely a company which is manufacturing the component for that consumer durable company will also do extremely well Good. and if that company does extremely well then the lender to that company which comes under the corporate lending will also do very well it is a chain and what we do as a fund manager on an average we meet one company a day before buying any business we meet customer we meet supplier and we meet competitors and it is that integrated approach which helps us to finally decide that whatever we are buying whether there is going to be growth superlative growth compared to the other option for reasonably long term time period and the answer to that question is yes how much is priced in the valuations and the combination of that that result into the right measured approach because that's very important the risk management and we take the measured approach and that doesn't mean forget about it once you buy it not at all keep your eyes and ears open make sure it is working as per your assumptions if it is not working your assumption rework your thesis keep checking what is going right or wrong and then act accordingly if it is not working as per expectations get out of the boat very important and if it is working hold on permanently yeah i think that is important to be vigilant as to what is happening it's again same thing tying up like don't buy and just hold it uh, just be aware of what is happening around and then uh, agree uh, and then accept the fact that you might have gone wrong it's okay to go wrong but then it's okay to accept that you have gone wrong and then you know act on it so that's that's one of the most important part anyways sir the next question from ranjit is how much percentage should we invest in sector wise like it banking and power that's that's difficult to answer if you want to take it uh, i don't have any percentage in percentages on it so that depends upon what is working you get overweight on those sectors what is not working just like what rajesh sir mentioned as the business cycles and the mini cycles you get underweight uh, on it there's no fixed percentage uh, for for any kind of sectors uh, do you agree uh, sir or you want to add something on it i think no no absolutely we are absolutely right there, there is no uh, you know one fits for all it is basically uh, every investor is own risk reward and there are some investors they only id portfolio exactly you might make money and ultimately after 5 years you might lose entire money so it depends all about your time period as as vaibhav you have rightly mentioned if your time period is 3 months your strategy might be different and if your time period is 5 years your strategy might be completely different correct so i'll move on to the next one in that is naman is asking what are your views on newly listed loss making tech companies as they are highly overvalued and further loss Uh, so we know that at least twelve, fifteen companies have uh, got listed in last fifteen years under the digitalization or the technology uh, sector. Uh, what are your views on uh, on that? Very good question. I think we all are learning the new business models. Uh, India is learning. The corporates are learning. Everybody is it is right on the learning phase. Yeah. From the fifteen companies today, we have only exposed to only one company. Okay. Our strategy while selecting. such new business models is very simple first whether the business model is evolved or it is still under evolution right one example if it is a pharmacy the business model is not yet evolved there are 10 e pharmacies today fighting for the cutthroat competition you have tatas you have bildas you have wellna there are 10 companies correct if you look at food delivery there are two companies If you talk about a beauty personal care, there is only one company. So first, whether the business model is evolved or it is still evolving, 
correct number one number two winner takes it all approach prefer to bet on number one number two don't go to even number four it can be dangerous burning money can be dangerous mm. number three what is the founder's scheme in the game most companies where ipos have happened it is not that promoters have offloaded most of the times the private equity is offloaded at premium valuations definitely promoter had a no say what valuation they should command it all about market so you can't help it number four very important whether the growth will continue to remain super hyper or will it become gdp growth of india if the growth needs to be 30 35 40 45 percent compounded growth for next at least three years let's not predict after four years yeah number four and last but not least the promoter's behavior because these all are new promoters they have not seen public equity market they all are used to private equity market they really don't know and it's important because in indian market or for any market for that matter a one statement can stop make stock up or down exactly. so founders behavior to the minority shareholders and founders behavior in terms of their capital allocation efficiency you know there are some promoters they are very clear will burn seven billion dollar over next 10 years if you want to be there be there or don't be there simple so you are very clear what you are investing into the problem with investors today in listed equity they want to buy the private equity business model and they are expecting the payoff like listed equity not possible if you are buying a digital business model which has not yet evolved you need to have a 10 years time frame because that's what private equity is all about these companies are not growing 12 percent compounded growth quarter on quarter comparison nothing will work you need to have a private equity mindset if you want to invest in such businesses what we do internally we take a measured approach right. don't pull board you know initiate your position watch one quarter two quarters three quarters if everything is as per assumption company is doing well promoters transparency is improving they are they are they know what is the importance of minority shareholder increase your weightage over a period of time if they are not working in what you think they should exit from the business so it is a it is a very very measured approach perfect perfect thanks sir, for moving on to the next question and now i can see flurry of questions coming in as uh, you are answering uh, all of these very patiently uh, next is uh, someone anonymously has asked i don't want to invest a lot of time in managing my portfolio uh, without reading further, I can say then that is why you have wealth baskets from uh, Accurate. You can invest into them. But I feel, but I, I'll go ahead with the question, but I feel I can beat the inflation year on year. Is this a decent strategy of investing for the long term? I mean, my portfolio grows higher th than inflation rates by 2 to 10%. And I intend to hold positions for at least 15 to 30 years. So most of that you have already answered, but how do you see someone who is positioning his portfolio expected returns to be in uh, an alpha over the inflation, two to ten percent, as he has mentioned. Yeah, that's that's precisely should be the strategy. The objective is basically to beat the inflation. As so India, the normal inflation is say about say four percent. For but probably for people like you and me, uh, the inflation might be a little bit higher because our lifestyles are improving and so on and so forth. So it's about say seven eight percent. Anything above eight percent, if you if you can compound your money by ten percent, eleven percent, twelve percent. That's what the long-term objective should be. The question is, how you do that? Uh, if you have a competence, if you are into that profession, you can do it on your own. Uh, if not, you can take help of uh, you know the uh, professional advisors, 
uh, and the fund managers and the products and keep watching what is happening over a period of time. Enjoy the journey, what is happening over a period of time. Uh, and that's probably the right way uh, from the uh, you know wealth creation perspective. And one thing I must say, fund management is all about art of exclusion. It is all about what you don't buy. It is all about what not to do. What to do, what to buy, everybody knows. Probably in this panel, if I throw a question, please give me your top pick idea. Everybody will come out with one answer, you know. Correct. But it is the art of exclusion which matters the most. Very well said, sir. Definitely. That's that's one, one of the great insights also. Um, next question. Teja Surya is asking, shall we need to allocate similar percentage to every stock, like a 5% to every stock and invest in 20 stocks? Basically, he's trying to build an equal, equated uh, portfolio. And how many stocks ideally we should keep in our portfolio? What do you, sir? I have the answer, but I'll, I'll definitely pass it on to you. So. Well, I thought probably you would take this question, but yes, since you passed it on to me. Uh, so, so they just basically, as I, as Weibov has said, uh, and I reiterate what he said, it all depends upon what you want to do. What is your risk reward? There is no one-line answer. There are guys who buy only one company and they're fine with it. There are guys who buy 50 companies, like people like us. It's all about the risk-adjusted returns. What you are looking for? Are you looking for 10 12%? good inflation beating numbers over a period of five years 50 stock strategy works wonderful okay. but can you manage 50 stocks on your own extremely difficult so in that case take the help of professional but still if you want to do on your own maybe 10 stocks because you, you know you need, you need to have competence to do that you know how to select those 10 stocks because if you go wrong in one of 10 as i said it's all about art of exclusion so if you go wrong on three or four of them i mean then your returns will be less than even inflation Correct. Yep. So you need to decide what exactly uh, you know your goal and what kind of a risk you are willing to take to achieve that objective. So I'll add one one point over here, uh, uh, Rajesh sir. So Teja, so I was reading somewhere that you know kind of and obviously risk is measured by standard deviation. If I am going a little technical uh, over here, uh, and and the research said that your standard deviation decreases. So obviously you are increasing the stock to in order to diversify, right? And diversify the standard deviation, diversify the uh, uh, kind of a, you know unsystematic risk, um, which is company specific risk. Now the research says that. The standard deviation decreases by the factor of under root of the number of stocks. So if you have 16 stocks in your portfolio, the standard deviation goes down by one by four, which is 25%. The inverse of, you know, kind of the number of stocks you're holding. For me, I think that's a good way. So around 13 to 16 stocks is somewhere which I think is a good, uh, uh, you know, kind of number of stocks to be had. Because if you increase it beyond 16, 20, 25, then you're... Uh, you know, kind of you're increasing the stocks and as Rajesh said, it is going to be very difficult for you to manage such a large, large portfolio. In return, you are not getting that kind of a diversification, which probably you will get from stock number one to stock number 15. And that is why I think his portfolio is also well managed to between 10 to 15 stocks, which is ideally what I also think should be a very, very good number to hold in a diversified portfolio. So I hope uh, you would agree. So this is, this is something which I was reading over the last month or so, uh, found very interesting. So next question is, uh, you spoke about linkages. What are some linkages that you have noticed in the digitalization sector or any interesting linkages that you have seen emerge? And I think he's talking about right now, 
maybe that is the so if you can uh, you know kind of uh, touch upon this question assuming that he's asking about right now what are the linkages you see in the digitalization space well i think those linkages are across the sectors uh, as i said uh, the word digitalization is very broad uh, it includes the automation it includes the innovation it includes the sensors in your car it includes the you know the camera in your car it includes everything because that's what robotics that's what digital is all about right and it is across the sectors uh, there is not a single sector which is not seeing not only the digitalization but higher usage of digitalization like i gave one example of abb implementing uh, through uh, you know its digital technology the largest conveyor belt for the steel company correct uh, i'm sure banking and finance everything is becoming digital you know uh, you have the uh, you know largest bank in the country uh, giving a front page et ad that how the digitalization is changing the companies correct um, look at the medical uh, the healthcare uh, you can you can press a button and book your appointment uh, for covid test and person comes at your home and 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 then the report comes within next two minutes there are softwares which are doing it so there is a linkage again uh, one of the india's largest software company is implementing the uh, program for uk government uh, entire uk citizens program this company is doing for everything which includes their like aadhar card kind of a concept you know again it is a linkages uh, so linkages are across i don't see a single sector where there are no linkages and there are multiple linkages and one thing which we understand out of this is that the increasing usage of the digitalization the faster adoption by the customer thanks to very low cost of data in in india compared to any part in the world and also the democracy of the system so barriers are getting removed if you want to start on your own you can start it tomorrow through a platform there are number of technologies which can help you to capitalize on such platforms correct so if i look at the companies the automobile companies they are doing the contactless delivery is digitalization correct so i think it is across the sector we keep asking this question uh, to the companies that what is the percentage of your revenue comes from the online revenue if it is a consumer company but more importantly while we do not ask them we keep checking their board of directors the management and who is the cto do they have cto first many companies don't yeah. that's problem do you have cto any fears what is the profile of that cto increasingly that is becoming very very important because once you have a focus that i want to become digital it leads to significant efficiency improvement in your underlying operations and that results into the higher operating margins in turn better revenue and therefore higher free cash flow and that's what basically is a minority shareholder you and i we both are bothered about so there are number of linkages and it is uh, accelerating across sectors as far as digitalization goes awesome sir we'll take last two questions and because i found them uh, which we have not discussed yet and this is majorly focusing towards asset allocation rather than you know kind of just getting into equities so divya prabha is asking um, as you can hear from everywhere that indian index is overvalued currently and it is time to diversify the portfolio with more capital allocation in debt and gold what's your view sir uh, first and foremost uh, the statement i do not agree with this statement indian markets are not overvalued uh, let me give you my analysis why it is not overvalued last 12 years corporate earnings growth in india has been just 6% below probably nominal gdp growth and last 8 years market has delivered you 8% compounded returns 
market is always mirror of earnings growth. Right. In three years, we expect Nifty earnings to grow by double digit. FI22, as per Bloomberg estimate, it is 24% growth, maybe because of the low base. And FI23, it is going to be 15 to 16% earnings growth. Let's look at the valuations. The Nifty is trading at 20.7 times price to earning multiple on FI23 basis. I'm talking about it 15 months forward. Right. Last 10 years average is roughly 18.8. We are trading at 7% premium compared to last 10 years average valuations, but with a much higher growth. Number, number two, very importantly, which people forget while talking about valuations, what balance sheet right now we have as a corporate India. It is a very, very solid balance sheet compared to last 10 years. It is a lean balance sheet. It's a debt-free balance sheet what you are buying. Correct? So from the balance sheet perspective, also it is a lean balance sheet. The strong earnings growth and lean balance sheet combo is a rare combo. It is a catalyst for market to deliver super normal returns at least for next three to four years. So markets are not overvalued. Are they cheap? Definitely not. But in my view, there are reasonable valuations. There are pockets where valuations have gone up in excess. You can always avoid those. But by and large, I think markets are fairly valued and we have enough opportunity to make money, uh, as I said, for three to five years, long-term component uh, growth. There is a long runway ahead. Yeah. So, so I would also add one point over here is that when we are comparing the PE over the last 10, 15, 20 years with the PE now, what we also need to keep in the fact that now we have more weightage in the companies which anyways command a higher PE, right? Technology companies, TCS, Infosys being the overweight. And hence, I think in the long run, we will keep gradually seeing the PE anyways rising and 21 will become a pretty normal number now. So obviously, if you are going to compare it with last 10 years, 18, 18, 18.5, whatever, I still feel that that 7% is a very, very pretty normal space with the lean balance sheet approaches and whatever you, you know, kind of uh, you mentioned, sir. So I also don't think so that Indian market is overvalued. Obviously, when you see one and a half years returns and then compare with NASDAQ, Nikyadia and what other indexes have given. So this is not the right approach. And uh, obviously, P in itself is not the barometer of telling that whatever market is overvalued or undervalued. Uh, again, I'll touch that question that uh, you are asking, what is your view on the debt and gold? See, this is basically the asset allocation approach and that depends upon your risk profile. If you are a highly conservative investor, I would say that don't invest more than let's say 30%, 35% in equities, rest can be a in debt and gold. If you are a very, very highly aggressive investor, I would say 75-80% can be allocated to equities and remaining you can, you know, kind of uh, cushion yourself with the debt and gold because you have a kind of, you know, kind of a long-term approach or then there can be many other reasons which make you a pretty aggressive investor. So again, uh, Divya, uh, personal finance is personal. Each to, its, uh, you know, kind of every individual will have its his or her own allocations towards the different asset classes. So difficult to answer that again. Uh, it's not an easy one, one answer for, for this question. So last one uh, for today is, uh, and uh, Tushar again is asking, in today's fast changing and dynamic era to safeguard wealth, is it prudent also to invest in on those aspiring companies which are not listed yet? So what he's asking is investing in the unlisted market. Um, your take on that, sir. Well, I think whether the company is listed or unlisted, the underlying backdrop remains the same. If the company is a winner, if company is market leader, if the earnings growth is going to be strong with a strong balance sheet and underlying good financials, 
definitely one can look at even early state company because finally we need to create wealth. And if you think that earnings growth is going to be strong and you are buying at a reasonable valuations, uh, at, on one fine day, you know, there'll be unlocking will happen. Now, having said that, the only risk what you run when you buy such unlisted companies is that the liquidity. So God forbid, if there is a liquidity requirement, then if you are a listed spread within 48 hours, the money is in your bank account. But if it's unlisted, they are probably you can't help it. You have already locked your money. And let me also tell you, because there are many people, they ask us this question on public equity versus private equity. And if you look at the US market, which is a more mature market, and if you look at last 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 60 years, compounded returns of public equity, which is nothing but Dow Jones or S&P 500 versus the private equity, the returns are similar, but with much higher risk in private equity. Correct, correct, correct. So, you know, in public equity also, we have a number of multi-baggers. Yeah. Titan, look at Titan. It has been multi-bagger. Look at Jubilant Food. It has been multi-bagger in the last five years. I'm not talking about 30 years. I'm talking about five years. Right. You know, yeah, Express is a you know, multi-bagger in the last four years. So there are a number of Minda Industries, one of the companies in our portfolio, four times in the last four or five years. Chemical companies, what we bought in our PMS, you know, they have become seven, eight, you know, one of the company became 15 times in just what, three and a half, four years. So I think there are no lack of opportunities in public market. So, and still, if you, uh, you know, would like to participate in private equity, not, no problem. You can always participate, but please keep a close eye that what you are buying into. Uh, before we end, I would again like to put a disclaimer that since we might have talked about number of companies, these companies we might be having in your personal capacity or for our PMS client or for our advisory portfolio. These are not the recommendations to buy or sell and kindly make sure that you do your own research before buying into any of the company which we have talked about. Definitely. So, so let let me, uh, you know, kind of just just add one point to this question again. Is that uh, uh, so? Basically, if you are looking at you know investing into these kind of uh, unlisted segment because of the liquidity and all, uh, try to if you want really want to have an exposure, just try to have a five to ten percent exposure into that. Not go overboard. And then obviously uh, uh, that depends again come on the asset allocation and. Finally, for my last comment, I would again go back to the initial part which you mentioned, Rajesh sir, is there is the risk and return uh, kind of a thing which you which an investor should look. Last one and a half years, what has happened is that people are only looking at returns. But I always say, look at returns with how much risk are you taking. So your metric like sharp ratio, information ratio, which obviously layman doesn't understand. But simply speaking, what is your ratio of return upon risk is more important. So like you said, similar returns with the higher risk in the unlisted market doesn't make sense uh, to, to go overboard over there. I think with, with this remark, so let me thank you again and thank all the people who attended this on a Tuesday evening. Uh, uh, pleasure to have you here sir today and uh, hope the the audience as well as me we all found a lot of insights in whatever you shared and discussed with us today 
for investing in uh, alpha accurate next generation portfolio next generation as in uh, uh, which uh, i have shared the link in the chat you can directly go over there log in with your preferred broker if you have your broker listed if you don't have your broker listed there is an option called other brokers you will get all the brokers today in india which are which are there if you have find any difficulty in investing there is a help there is a support button just call us we'll help you we'll handhold you in order to have the portfolios these portfolios uh, will be rebalanced by alpha um, uh, accurate team a uh, timely whenever he thinks that okay now like he mentioned that there is a time for exit as well whenever he is exiting and you know kind of in, uh, getting in a new company you will get a notification on your sms and uh, email uh, just you don't have to do anything just go on to the platform login and press an okay button over there entire transaction will be successfully executed so this is how easy it has become for the retail investor to get uh, you know kind of such an experienced uh, person's portfolio and his insights at a, at a two and a half percent annual uh, fee which you need to need to pay on that portfolio so let us know if you have any queries happy to help and thank you with the with that uh, rajesh sir pleasure to have you today thank you vibhav thank you very much for your time and thank you all the participants it has been really nice interactive session vibhav with you and look for for many such uh, you know interactions definitely sir definitely thank you, thank you so much and happy new year to everybody absolutely i wish all the participants seasons greetings and uh, uh, be safe and invest safely and happily thank yes. you okay thank you bye bye